Welcome to the Hex Knight Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Ivan. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of, um, if not breaking news, but a little bit more of a current issue, I suppose. Um, and to do that, let me give a little bit of background. Um, so a story starts circling the internet um, about a uh, guy, uh, Spencer Campbell, who had created a Kickstarter um, earlier this month for a role-playing game uh, that was going to be called Frame. And the idea was that it was essentially going to be um, a tabletop RPG version of Warframe. Um, I haven't played Warframe, uh, but I've watched a bit of videos. My kid used to play it a little bit. And it's a like looter-shooter kind of game in the same style as like Borderlands and Destiny. Uh, you spend a lot of time shooting the same dudes over and over, uh, so you get better gear. And then you use that gear to uh, shoot more dudes over and over until you get better gear. And it goes on as long as you can stand it. Uh, I used to play a lot of <laughs> Destiny, so <laughs> I'm not hating on the genre, but that's basically how it works. I don't think anyone who <laughs> plays the game would disagree with that. Uh, now, what happened... Um, so this guy had done a similar game before, uh, based on Destiny, actually, um, and was basically coming back to the well to do the same thing, but for a different game, and presumably with some different um, different setup. And there's a lot of interesting ideas, and like conceptual ideas, you know, that you're inhabiting these, like, uh, mechanic or robot bodies, essentially, yeah. and, like, swap different bodies and upgrade them, so that's cool. Uh, however, um, he caught a bit of a firestorm. Now, the specific events are, are a little unclear, because most of this happens, you know, outside of the public's eye. Uh, but allegedly, uh, he gets um, swarmed by people accusing him of plagiarism, of ripping off, uh, I think a company's called Digital Extremes, uh, the mm -hmm. company that creates Warframe, and gets a basically gets to be the, uh, the main character on the internet for a couple hours, and he ends up panicking and cancels the Kickstarter. Uh, so we thought we would take this as a jumping-off point. Now, I want to preface all of this by saying that, one... We don't know all the details, uh, mm -hmm. but two, um, that's almost won't matter because a lot of the issues that are kind of part of this whole story are really issues that have always been, or at least for a long time, have been part of like nerd culture, uh, which we're both, you know, parts of yeah. um, tabletop RPG culture, video game culture, stuff like that. Uh, so what we're going to do is instead of getting into legislating who was right and who was wrong in the case that happened. What we're going to do is use that as a jumping off point to talk about some issues that kind of circle around it. Um, so we're going to generalize a little bit using this as a, you know, a little bit of a teachable moment, I suppose. So yeah, yeah it's more, I think these are kind of creator fan relationship issues that have mm -hmm. been around probably as long as fantasy science fiction genre work has yeah. um but um, i feel like the internet especially pre the dreaded gamergate they've seemed mm -hmm. to like crystallize into this hardened thing that has just gotten eviler and eviler as time has gone by and i oh, think this is sure. a good um, yeah it's a good point to like address that from our perspective like we don't want to have to talk about this all the time and we operate the way we do. Like, we don't want to be a reaction drama podcast. Oh, it seems like over half the podcasts are <laughs> that. It's just ugh, negativity. Yeah, it's, right. It's, I mean, it, yeah, it's just a machine that like keeps, you keep throwing shit in it. And like, it, 
generates perpetual output, which is also shit. Right. <laughs> um, More but toxic. yeah, I think it's a good time to like kind of like uh, like mark off some points in the sand, I guess, and just kind of like um, you know just have a conversation about these things. And mm -hmm. I think it's also useful to know uh, maybe where we're coming from a little bit because uh, while we've known each other for a really long time, like. I feel old, but it's been a really long time. Um, you know, we don't always agree on everything. Uh, and mm -hmm. we do have differences in how we view things, especially when it comes to, you know, internet stuff. I think I'm generally a bit more of the, the woke type, although I don't have blue hair. <laughs> uh, for one, my hair is quite long and it would suck to color it on. Also, I don't think blue goes well on like a fat white nerd. <laughs> That's just not something you should, you should do. Um, but I think I'm probably a little more kind of in tune with that sort of like internet liberalism kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's fair to say you're a little more kind of like um, old school progressive, kind of uh, rooted in common sense, rooted in a bit of skepticism about things. Yeah, skepticism, and I, my creative roots are in music, mm -hmm. and that's all about, like, freedom of expression, and I yeah. was in punk rock and hardcore and metal, and that's all offensive, and, and people get right. rowdy and out of control, so it's like, to me, that's kind of, it's, there are reasonable ways to control that from my mm -hmm. perspective without having to, in this case, I think it's awful, like, what who are you who are you to be the copyright police and that's like right. a whole big kettle of fish by itself <laughs> like, like yeah for yeah, a billion dollar corporation owned by another chinese like billion dollar corporation yeah like they have lawyers on staff and those guys get paid and <laughs> having having needed a lawyer once in my life they get paid very well i can mm -hmm. tell you that um so you know if you're sitting with your cheetos and your uh sick battle platform in your bedroom like you don't have to like provide pro bono legal services on Twitter uh, for, for a billion dollar corporation. <laughs> That's not a thing that the world needs. We, we, we thank you for your service, but. <laughs> and thank goodness. It seems like that this stuff certainly has come up around certain flashpoints events mm. in, with dungeons and dragons in a couple ways, but overall the rest of the tabletop gaming community it's, is not so reactionary and volatile. And we yeah. should all be really grateful for that. <laughs> I think there is, uh, at the risk of sounding a little bit elitist, I think there's a higher barrier of entry to tabletop mm. games. Um, generally, you need to at least read a book. Um, <laughs> and it can be a lot of work to get to the point where you're like involved in playing games and, you know, like there is more to it than just. Uh, installing Steam and finding whichever game has, you know, the most people in it. Yeah, uh, pounding buttons on your Yeah, and Xbox. that sounds right. And I mean, we both play video games, so this is not like shitting on another community, but you know, right. like anytime there's a little bit of barrier of entry, it also has a little bit of a filtering effect. Um, mm -hmm. Like what, you know, like have you ever wondered why like the worst uh, audiences in any uh, video game are in free-to-play games? Because those dudes didn't even have to ask their parents for $50 to get Dark Souls. Um, so, you know, if there's <laughs> nothing holding out... This is going to sound really awful, but if there's nothing holding out, like, the mob, then the mob is going to come in. Yeah. The, you know. I mean, it's that that dictates a lot of the games I play, I think, actually. And the reason mm -hmm. why I don't get very involved in, in like, free-to-play online or Battle Royale 
type games at all, just because mm. there is so much crazy yeah. energy that could go <laughs> any different way. Yeah, I used to play uh, World of Tanks, and um, <laughs> you get some interesting uh, messages, especially if you play artillery, because uh, it's, <laughs> it's not my fault that you don't like shoot and scoot after each shot, and I can just nail you from across the map. But <laughs> uh, if you want to find out exactly how many men your mother slept with, uh, that's a great way of doing it. <laughs> These guys are very well informed. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> even with like with World of Tanks, like. I, you can turn off the the headset like mm. they just are, people can type obnoxious stuff yeah but that kind of like shit, goes but... by in the scroll um yeah you know um yeah <laughs> it's worse than stuff like uh i know it, one thing i used to play call of duty a fair amount mm. on PlayStation, and it defaults to voice chat which is the most terrifying terrible invention you could possibly do so every match you have to go in and like mute everybody so which is terrible like i don't want to hear you yeah yeah <laughs> you know like nope i know like the thought of all these developers are like oh if we enable this then they're gonna like coordinate their tactics and they're gonna send a flanking team while blah 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 like that's not what happens <laughs> that has never been what happens that might right. happen in the trailer because you paid some dudes to pretend they're playing a video game Sure. So, so point one we have here because there's a low barrier of entry. We get uh-huh. a volatile mix of people. It's certain types of reactionary, immature people who don't have all their chips together. Yeah, or you know, like the actual game they're playing is being a goblin on the internet. You know, like let's be real. For a lot yeah. of people, whether they're playing Call of Duty or Warframe, that's not the the main game for them. The main game for them is being like a terror on the internet. Right. And then Um, you have all the other, like good grief. Like, I feel like they're also entire businesses now operating on YouTube that are set up slowly to solely to take what they call a quote fandom, which doesn't Mm -hmm. to me, that's like not kind of nonsense. And, like, organize those people for, like, directed outrage just to, like, keep the clicks coming back to their videos or their content. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, there's entire, like, um, (laughs) YouTube is really bad about it because you'll get, like, somebody does a video on some topic and they have an opinion that is either kind of out there or it's kind of inflammatory or it's just, like, at odds with what is usually accepted. And then somebody does a reaction video and then somebody else has to pile on with a reaction video. And every time one of these happens, like the goblin mob like floods to the previous video to like uh, fight it out. And then like somebody else gets involved in it. And now it's like a whole thing that like spreads like a fire. Um, yeah. And again, it's the low zero to no barrier of entry. So yeah, yeah like all you need goblins. is YouTube. <laughs> right. right. Like all, <laughs> you know, like if you've ever had a debate on YouTube, like one, I'm sorry. And two, um, it often doesn't go all that well, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no like there's no investment in it. There's no um, ironically, while like forum culture is not much better, it is often marginally better because your forum name and your icon and whatever carries a little bit of like reputation. Mm-hmm. So you at least if it's run well and is moderated, it tends to read it in just a little bit because you would have to essentially start over if you flame out and get banned for finally like being too much of a of a freak. Um, right, a knob. 
But yeah, I think uh, I know you have some thoughts on like fandom culture in general, which like it really is like what this revolves around. Like at face value, mm-hmm. the story is like person A collides with like fandom B, right? Well, you just have the individual. He it's his his vision, his mm-hmm. project. I mean, right. granted. It is to an extent derivative of this larger work and a strong brand. Mm-hmm. So you could call that kind of cheating, mm-hmm. but to me, it, it relates something to something interesting that I like commentary from these guys that were doing like experimental kind of sound collages, found sound stuff. And they validated their work with like advertising or whatever that we're all in the modern world continuously bombarded with media. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, no matter what, like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, like that's all part of even like our larger collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it becomes like an ephemer. It's everywhere. So it's not just like it's not that type of transaction that you were talking at about. At the start, where it's like, mm. you, I give Pepsi my money, and they give me Pepsi, a bottle of Pepsi. It's like their <laughs> right. logos are everywhere, the ads. So it's like, mm-hmm. when does that become like part of a larger thing where the public can like interact with that? Right. Like, if it's already part of like pop culture, you know, to an extent, like, to what extent does everyone own like a piece of it? Mm-hmm. Or at least, it could, how can you reference that in your own mm-hmm. life and your own work? Like, why not put yeah. that into your work? Right. You know, like, if you're writing, like, uh, slam poetry and you want to reference Coca-Cola, because that's a built-in part of, like, modern urban life, right? Totally. Or you want to write a role-playing game about giant robots shooting dudes for loot. Yeah, and I mean, really, that's been done so many times it's not like the warframe is even close to the first project yeah so the really interesting thing is there's like two pieces that kind of stick out to me right mm-hmm. uh which is one like a lot of the uh the raids that seemed to happen was tied to the idea that this guy was ripping off the company and ripping off their designs now i poked around a little bit and the so the kickstarter only had a couple of art pieces because mm-hmm. it was very sort of the impression I got was that the rulers were mostly bashed out, and the money was going to go to like art and stuff. And it mentioned on there that he was going to like get artists uh, involved. Uh, so the couple of pieces that were on there seemed like concept kind of art. They did look very close to designs used in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, now I am not an IP lawyer, um, so I can't say if they're too close, especially when you're transitioning from one thing to another like how many like knockoff space marines are out there you know for sure you haven't sued them all so i'm not going to speak to like that but that's one of the like sticking points right is like he was allegedly ripping off the company uh and therefore we must fight (laughs) um and the second thing is like um to what extent you know like this like very aggressive it's like a hive of bees right like mm-hmm. the the thing the video game that we play someone is mean to the video game or mean to the company um that makes the video game that we play so we need to like go fight them on the internet yeah yeah it's strange 
And you know, you know, like it's a very like aggressive sort of like like fan community, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the goblins, though, like you said. Mm. But I think the interesting thing there, and what I think you're kind of alluding to, is that, like I found this this strange point where creators or creative game teams get to mm-hmm. where their work becomes that big, where it's like. Uh, a brand in the consciousness of the public, like associated mm-hmm. giant robots in video games, Warframe, right? right? So that, like, that became comes this foundational thing mm-hmm. that the creators are now tied to, mm-hmm. and they have a, they become successful based off that foundational work. People, mm-hmm. they have this quote. I hate they have a group of people called that call themselves a fandom. Like they're, they're like <laughs> soccer hooligans. It's <laughs> basically, you know, like God. we are ostensibly here to like watch a game, but we are actually here to like get into fights. Right. 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 You know? Um, and it's funny. Like if you go to uh, any dedicated forum or Reddit sub for a specific game, like almost all the posts are going to be people who are like pissed off, raging out or moaning about the game. <laughs> Um, like I remember when I got uh, Diablo 3 originally and I was like mm-hmm. oh I should look up some strategies this is a really fun game I bet people are really excited about this then I went down to the Blizzard forums and no they were not excited one bit uh, you know like um, they were all very angry about this or that thing or this ability or the cooldown of this thing um, a cooldown of a thing like in the larger <laughs> scale of the game like what People right. use like proportion, <laughs> like it's an incredible. The whole experience is yeah. like this broader, but your power up, your magic power doesn't come back fast enough for to suit your play style. Like, right, like for your one specific build in a game that has like you know God knows how many. Right, like you, right. You know, you played the game like you can put stuff together almost infinitely. Right, like move along. <laughs> right. Seriously, move on. Find something else if that doesn't work for you. It's it's time to move along. <laughs> yeah, but it's this sort of uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, you know, it becomes this like weird sort of obsessive ownership almost. Yeah. Uh, like we were talking a little bit about like superhero movies, and I don't even want to say the name because the fans are a little excitable. But a certain movie <laughs> made by a certain director got a different cut that is twice as long and apparently like cured cancer. That's what I've been informed of on the internet anyway. <laughs> right, um, right, and you know, like there were like uh, some pretty unpleasant interactions between fans of the uh, previous guy that I'm also not going to name and the current guy that I'm not going to name. Um, but he rhymed his last name rhymes with writer. <laughs> um, so you know, don't don't kill me, please. I, I think Marvel is terrible too. Um, but you know, like it becomes this very like aggressive ownership of like um, the fan culture or like the fan creation. Like Star Wars is like that. This too, mm-hmm. where people get like you know, like and we haven't talked that much about Star Wars on the show because I think we're both kind of like burnt out on it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, like for me, I was never that much of a fan to begin with, but I've enjoyed it. Um, and I did enjoy Mandalorian. That was a pretty good show. Uh, but for the new movies, I just, you know, I watched the first of the n- three new movies and I was like, okay, this is not going to go anywhere I'm interested in. I'm just going to skip it. 
And then, like, the second one comes out, and everyone is angry, and everyone gets fired up and, like, sending angry messages and, like, phone calls to, like, the actors and stuff. And then the third one comes out, and everyone is angry, but it's a different group that's angry now. Because it, like, both managed to be, like, this, like, toxic, like, uh, fan community where, like, if a Star Wars movie wasn't all that great, that's, like, a personal insult to your childhood. And then at the same time, it also became this, like, flashpoint of, like, culture wars. Because, like, I guess if you're liberally minded, you are supposed to like the second movie. And if you're not, you're supposed to like the third one, which seems (laughs) completely bizarre to me. And I'm not going to watch them to find out. So, like, Mm. (laughs) like, it just, but it becomes this, like, um, you know, like, just being aggressively invested in, like, a a franchise or, like, a, a media thing that's, like, you know, like, spacemen on the screen that are shooting lasers. Right, right. And if you put it in the larger canon of science fiction, yeah, it's it, not... it doesn't stack up very well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care. Our like, subscriber can... account just went from like nine to minus one. Right, right. I got, I got just unsubscribed twice. Um, <laughs> but you know what? All you fuckers keep asking about steampunk, so I don't... You can, uh, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, you know, like it's... Here's my thing, generally in life. Um, and I have things, you know, we all have things we're very passionate about. Sure. Uh, we have things we're into. We have things that we wish everyone else around us was into as much as we are. You know, and sometimes it is something that literally just you are into. And you don't know anybody you can talk to about. And that sucks. So you go online, you find people who are into it as well. Because no matter how obscure your shit is, you can find 20 people online who are talking about it right now. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but <laughs> like step back a little, like take a breather in the big picture. It, you, you know, you're going to be here on the planet for uh, statistically like what, 78 years or something like that. Yeah. Like if COVID doesn't get us all. Right. Um, so let's say 75 years because, you know, um, like how many, how much of that time is really like well spent, like raging on the Internet about like something in like a star wars movie you know like there's been t- 10 of them so far and like two thousand pieces of spin-off media and like one of them was bad like statistically by now most should have been bad like no right. franchise no franchise running that long does so without either changing direction or like burning itself out and just becoming stupid yeah, you know, like how many James Bond movies are legitimately like great cinema as opposed to I saw it as a kid. Yeah, I like, mean that's how I feel about Star Wars. I'm not uh-huh. taking that back. It was great yeah, for absolutely. me as a kid, and then I I found other stuff. Yeah, you know, you just move on, and even if you didn't move on, like the point isn't that you have to move on. It's okay if you're still that's into cool. it. Yeah, but I think one, you have to realize that like. It's just entertainment. Like, it's not a rare, precious gem. You know, like, they have... Last time, like, we went to a grocery store, like, one millennia ago. Um, you know, they had, like, Luke Skywalker lettuce in the store. <laughs> it was just, like, a bag of lettuce, and it had, like, Luke Skywalker on it. Like, that's... So, <laughs> as somebody who's in, into some obscure shit... They aren't putting, like, obscure Swedish role-playing games on the lettuce in the store. Right. Was it Destin <laughs> or what Demona? Yeah, you know, like, or, you know, like, you're into, like, really obscure, like, uh, epic Norwegian 
post-progressive black metal or something like they're not playing that at Safeway. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, so maybe like take a breather on it. Um, and just like, (laughs) like exhale, it's going to be okay. Like they did a bad movie or a person on the internet didn't like the thing you're into. Well, that's okay. If you're like a well-rounded person, your identity isn't defined by the thing you're into. Mm. You know, like if somebody, you see this a lot. Um, if um, so, I used to be uh, hang out on the Dark Souls subs on uh, Reddit, and mm-hmm. everyone hates Dark Souls too, and <laughs> that happens to be my favorite of the series. So, uh, people get very testy about that. Uh, <laughs> and like on the subs, you would see like pretty much every week somebody would come in and they would like pick a fight about it, and people would get like really riled up about it. <laughs> you know, like you're if you prefer the second game, you are betraying the true vision of. And I don't remember the guy's name, Miyasaki, something like that. Um, we'll just go with it. Yeah, like that dude. You know, and he's a great guy. He's a very visionary, visually oriented guy. Uh, but the funny thing is, like, when you read into like the production, because it's fairly well known that Dark Souls Two was done by a different team. Mm. But he, but he was still overseeing that team, and he's, you know, like there was an old interview where he said, like, yeah, they made different decisions than I would, but I have full faith in their, like, you know, their professionals. They work at the same company. He is, yeah, you know, like, and that's what being. <laughs> a professional is about being, you know, having a larger perspective on it. It's like when video game companies like congratulate each other. Like um, when Horizon Zero Dawn came out, like uh, CD Projekt Red, the Witcher guys sent them like a um, send them out a tweet saying how much they were enjoying the game, and then both companies had like an artist do like fan art of the other person's character. Oh, it was really cool. Co- it was really cool, and it's the kind of thing is like, yeah, because these guys are professionals. Like obviously, they think their game is really good, right? Yeah. But well, I mean, all... like, it's not like they any any like video game development team makes like their magnum opus and they stop. Mm-hmm. So they're going to progress with their ideas and things are going to change and they're going to take risks and to freak out <laughs> about those changes and to put like it. These are we're dealing with like science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And to me. I'll, I'll say I get annoyed when people put current topical stuff to an extent mm-hmm. when there's too much like current metaphor in my escapism, I do <laughs> oh, right, start right, right. getting annoyed. Sure. I do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to disagree with you here, but I understand the perspective <laughs> completely. Um, I think a lot of times it gets hand fisted though, right? Like that's the main thing. You that's know, because the main it becomes thing. very obviously like I remember watching um, uh, Elysium. And it had the whole thing where, like, it's basically like a very ham-fisted analogy for, like, the American healthcare system and, like, border controls. And that's, like, the whole pitch of the movie. Like, if you take mm-hmm. that out, there's really, that's some cool effect. And it has, like, the dude from um, District 9. So, mm-hmm. like, it's a fine action movie, yeah. but it's so, and the funny thing is, like, those are things, like, I agreed with the movie's stance on them. Mm-hmm. But it was so, like ladled up thick that it felt very off-putting <clears throat> like it didn't make me feel more invested in those issues and it felt like it was just like the movie was just there as a vessel for like um for like propagating those views um right right i think that yeah when you're like what i would call breaking foundational storytelling ideas to hmm. get the point across something is going wrong 
Yeah. And, like, um, when it's not enjoyable and it feels like... Or you should just, like, write, like, actual political, like, uh, manifestos. Like, that shit sells, too. They have them all over the bookstore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, like, just don't... You don't have to make it about spacemen. Then, like, if you have... If you have really heartfelt points to be made about like American healthcare access, like write a thing about that. There's think tanks yeah. that would love to have you if you can yeah. write, you know. Or so. just, I guess, like integrate it. There's the ham-fisted aspect. Like make it a part. Make it in that world. Don't mm -hmm. make the world a a weak metaphor for your point. Yeah, like there's a way to allude to it, you know. Like I tend to be pretty attracted to fantasy that or science fiction that is fundamentally humanist in some ways because mm -hmm. yeah. Um but it's a difference of yeah, you know. Um like have the story exist in a way that exists in itself as a story in a world like what uh, Tolkien would call like subcreation like uh you know, you sure. don't have to create seven artificial languages to write your story. But, like, have it function, be structurally sound and interesting, entertaining as a story. And then, you know, you can throw in, or, you know, most likely if you do it, um, it will cautiously reflect your values as you've done it. And you can, you know, add a few things to kind of make a point of it. Like, mm -hmm. if you ever read, uh, forget the guy's first name. His last name is Flint. And he's kind of like an old school, like, uh, FDR era dude. Mm -hmm. um so when he writes science fiction stories uh like the main like protagonist is always kind of like a working class dude and he's always kind of mm -hmm. like going up against you know it's the man well yeah he's always like you know opposing capital essentially um but it's not like beating you over head with it right mm -hmm. um it's just kind of like it's one of those things, like, if you understand the guy, it's like reading Heinlein. Like, if you understand his yeah. general views throughout life, you can kind of, like, see, like, okay, this, I get it, I get it. But the story still basically functions. So I guess yeah. what, what we can kind of get to with this is there are points where, like, creative people do go overboard and things go apart, but you don't have <laughs> to freak out about it. What yeah, It's not going like, to do any good to, like, call up their house or email them. <laughs> Right. Awesome. And yeah, you know, like you can be kind of a normal person. Uh, it's funny. There's a guy I used to talk to all the time. I kind of lost track of him because um, we both got banned from the one forum we interacted. Um, but but he was a very sort of old school uh, conservative guy. And he was very outspoken about that. Um, mm -hmm. And this was a historical wargaming forum. So that was kind of like the norm anyway. But he was kind of like notable. like, And he was very much like a straight shooter kind of guy. Uh, you know the type. Um, mm -hmm. And we were talking about, uh, in a conversation about music and, like, bands that are kind of sketchy or, you know, um, you know, we're both into metal. And uh, certain types of metal, at least, is a shit full of Nazis. Right. Uh, and there's always, like, that dis discussion of, like, how do you go about that? And, you know, like, yeah. personally, and I'm not saying what anyone should do, but personally, I tend to be kind of critical with like, I just don't want to, like, support or engage with it if it's too far in that direction. And I'm not saying what anyone should do. Uh, right. And his point was, uh, somewhat reasonably, I think, that, like, listen, I'm a, or he is, um, I'm paraphrasing here, like, right. I'm a, you know, like, Reagan-era conservative from the Deep South. If I only listen to uh, music that agrees with me, I would be stuck with, like, Ted Nugent and, like, a bunch of shitty country bands. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> sometimes, like, it's hard, right? Like, what the creator's views are can 
affect your enjoyment of something. Um, mm-hmm. For some people, it doesn't, and I kind of envy that. But like I said, I'm a little more, I think, for good or bad. Like I tend to be kind of sensitive to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it definitely like influences it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like the fan culture around something that's easy to avoid if you're just not like perpetually online. Uh, but the mm. fan culture or something can definitely like uh, kind of put a spoiler in it too. Yeah. Especially if it's something like, you know, with gaming, you're kind of forced to interact with the fan culture. Like, <laughs> unless you're just like recruiting like your people to play the game. But, you know, even then, if you have questions or you need to, you know, figure something out, you're going to be interacting with the fan culture. So, yeah. You yeah. know, if it's especially toxic or aggressive, I feel like um, that could definitely like influence the. Uh... So. Uh, I'm actually going to take a moment to like polish my halo here for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, because one of the things, when I engage with stuff online, I don't do a lot of social media anymore. I used to do a little bit more, and it just made me sick and tired. Um, so I tweet a little bit, uh, mostly just generic gaming thoughts. And, you know, I run a small online community for, you know, fan questions and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I blog. Uh, I enjoy blogging. I think people should blog more. Uh, but one of the things that I do is that I make a conscious decision for the most part uh, to keep uh, political stuff out of it. Not because I think games have to do that, because uh, it's my stance that you should absolutely write whatever the fuck it is you want and the world mm-hmm. can react can then react to it as they want. If you want to write a game that is a thinly veiled analogy for why we should abolish the estate tax, you go. Um, I don't know if that makes good, uh, you know, (laughs) riveting gameplay, but whatever. Like, bring it on. Um, Uh, Atlas shrugged (laughs) on that. That must be an Ayn Rand uh, RPG out there. That has to exist. Um, (laughs) Or... there's like an old joke of uh, what like communist Dungeons and Dragons would look like. There would only be uh, there would be no character classes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's it's difficult because there's also there's a very outspoken viewpoint. You alluded to it a little bit at that escapism and politics should be kept like separate, right? Yeah, uh, and I fundamentally don't agree with that. Um, and I'm not saying anyone is wrong for thinking that. I just don't think. I don't like that, but I also think people should have the choice of whether they want to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always gone about the assumption that while I think there are many topics that are very important, and I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a woke, like I get more woke with age, uh, which is, I guess, not usually the case. Um, you know, like I think there's plenty of room if you want to create games or material or settings or whatever that addresses issues of colonialism or gender questions or whatever, like go for mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, I also know that there's a lot of people who feel overwhelmed by this sort of constant flood of just everything, like hot button issues all day long, people on television, on Twitter, shouting about these things. And every single moment, you have to make a decision, you have to make a stance, you have to you know, um, yeah. and it gets constant. And a lot of people yeah. want some space where they can just go. Um, I'm going to say safe space, even though that's like a super like <laughs> <laughs> that word gets people fired up. Um, I'll, I'll like, give you that one. <laughs> but, you know, like a place where you can go and not in the, engage with that. You can just go and talk gaming. You can go t- talk right. about your miniatures or whatever. And that's kind of like my conscious stance on it is like 
it's okay for that space to exist. That doesn't mean that I want every gaming space to be like that, but that's what I want to have. Mm -hmm. Because I also want that, like, bubble where I just don't have to think about that all the time. Like, you know, we can just talk about gaming or we can talk about, like, what's the best spray paint for using on these tanks without having to, like, take a stance on something. Um, Yeah. Well, I would that kind of brings us back to the, the initial situation. I think what we're talking about is the environmental kind of malu or the stew mm-hmm. that creates this type of response from these the goblins that are mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sticking with that too like <laughs> yeah we, I, you know, I think, like I feel because we're both like old school internet dudes so there was a time at least like in mythology anyway where internet <laughs> trolls like put more effort into it I don't know if that was really the case but like you know, like there was kind of like an old school kind of troll. Um, so I feel goblin is like a good term for the the current breed. <laughs> they're they're smaller. There's more of them, and they're less likely to like burn down your nuclear power plant. They're more like just like pissing your shoes. Right, right, right. But it's <laughs> relentless. If you mm-hmm. have enough pee, that'll start to flood out your house. <laughs> and then I, I feel like this metaphor has already like run its course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, you're right, you know, and it's, yeah, it could be. Uh, I was looking at uh, earlier when I was kind of like poking around and yeah. trying to do a bit of research, I was looking at the Warframe like sub on Reddit. I was like, yeah. okay. And it's like half a million people, you know. And if you assume that like 1% of any group are like psycho, that's a lot of crazy people. And if yeah. like half of those people like all decide like we're going to go fight this dude, that, that's a lot of uh, angry tweets and emails and whatever that could come barraging in. And again, we don't know exactly what happened. It is entirely possible this guy got a couple of like shitty messages and then he kind of overreacted. You know, mm. it's just like that's possible too. But that's not really like the point. It's, you know, it's entirely possible for a community to be mostly pretty good and still be fucking terrifying. Right. Like, there's half a million of you. Right. You know, and communities, especially online and especially nerd communities, are really bad at policing themselves because mm-hmm. nobody wants to tell, you know, the dude who's kind of shitty that he needs to get fucked. Well, yeah, there's I mean, that's a nerd. That's the, the term. Like everyone's kind of alienated and coming to this place. So then mm-hmm. to like call someone out for being right. like all the stuff do, I gripe about about mm-hmm. like crappy behavior in like our other podcasts like I've put up with. Oh, absolutely. You like know it's, it's so common there's like the term for it. It's the nerd social fallacy. You <laughs> know, that you can't kick anyone out. And it's also like this hesitation, right? Like because yeah. once you do, now you've like now that there's a line and as soon as you have that, we're gonna fight about it. Mm. You know, and you're going to get the people who support the one guy, and the, you know, like suddenly like that becomes what everyone is fighting about. Like now the, the Eye of Sauron is on you. Right. So then you're, you're a developer in this kind mm. of system in this space. So how, how would you navigate it? How, how do you, I mean, you've got a, your game, which is kind of derivative of, of a larger work and and how did you kind of work through that yeah so specifically um 
a while ago, and I kind of took two steps of this. Um, like one of my fascinations has always been the original uh, Rogue Trader, the first edition of Warhammer 40k. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it's kind of very common to say like oh before it like sold out or whatever, um, but it's kind of like the original like very wild and anarchic like space adventure sort of thing before it became like a big corporate process. Mm-hmm. Um, and my game Renegade Scout is very much um, what you would call like a retro clone. It's meant to be like a reimplementation of the old mechanics, um, but in a polished modern form, like looking nicer um, and just like, you know, being a modern game, taking advantage of, uh, you know, like 30 some years of game design and game experience. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, the world at large has played a lot of games since like 1983 or whatever. Um, so let's put some of those things back into it, but try to keep as much as possible of the original mechanics um, and make it compatible. This was kind of the big thing. So you could take your old units and you can play them in the new system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is similar to like what a lot of like the OSR like RPG dudes do, right? You know, right. They'll, oh, totally. They'll churn out like essentially just like different versions of classic Dungeons and Dragons, but this time like the elf has a pointy hat. <laughs> you know, uh, so let's get that to Kickstarter. Um, so the couple of things, because obviously, like anytime you're treading on the ground of like a behemoth like Games Workshop, and especially mm-hmm. a, a litigious behemoth like Games Workshop, uh, you want to kind of be extra sure. Um, and you also just like I don't want to bag on people who like make a clone or something, because a lot of times people will go find like old games that are no longer on print, everyone has forgotten, and they'll do a clone of it so it can come back into, like, the public consciousness. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but that's not what I wanted to do. Like, the purpose wasn't to preserve Rogue Trader, because that's already out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The purpose was to show, both show that the original mechanics, if they were tweaked and updated, could still be really fun. And it was also um, a little bit of being a dick because I kept seeing people trying to do this and always as group projects and they always failed. And I kept seeing people uh, say that, oh, it's too much work. Like nobody could do that. So like, fuck you, I can do it. (laughs) So it's a little bit of being a dick. Um, Spite is an excellent motivator. Right. Um, But at the same time, uh, I didn't want it to just be a clone. Um, So some of the stuff we did was uh, all of the stats, the stat line, like your ability scores, essentially, are all the, they're all the same, but they're all renamed to something else. So it's, you know, like instead of strength, you have power or whatever. Like mm-hmm. down, down the line, make sure that there's uh, go through. There's not a single, like every game term has been reworded unless it was so basic that there was no case. Like, you know, sure. m- movement or firing or, you know, having phases in a game. That's common talk. Oh, yeah. Uh, but everything else, so like Overwatch, Sustain Fire, like everything has been renamed and reworded to something, unless it was just a really common generic term. Right. Um, to avoid any and all, like I didn't want any original wording, because that's where you'll get nailed. Um, game mechanics in and of themselves are, you know, they're essentially like mathematical, uh, almost like equations, right? Oh, um, sure, sure. I mean, that's um, a thing in computer programming, too. Like, mm-hmm. how much of this can you actually patent? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, it's essentially, like, the specific, like, presentation of it. Uh, so having any, like, text that carries over is absolutely a no-no. And using, like, terms and things like that. Um, 
Likewise, having stuff that is very obviously like Space Marines and Space Orcs that are clearly like Warhammer style, that's yeah. asking for trouble even if you rename them. Because there's a point where it becomes too close for comfort. And the point isn't whether you can put your Star Marines in your game and hold it up in court. Because you have to pay your court costs out of pocket while it's going on. Games Workshop has lawyers on retainer. So it doesn't matter if you can defend that in court, because, <laughs> like, how much how much money do you have to fight that? Yeah. Know? So you don't take the chance at all. Uh, so I ended up like one. I wanted to like tie into my general like space or sci-fi like space opera setting, which is also derivative of fuck. But since it's ripping off Mass Effect instead of Warhammer, I figured that would be a layer of protection. Um. So it got folded into that um, so that there is a complete setting in the book that is not a clone. It's not taken from the source material. So when you sit down and look at it, it will play in a similar way, in a way that's recognizable, and it's still compatible on a mechanical level. You can bring in your weapons and your characters, but it also has a complete set of new creatures and characters and weapons you can play with. They have points values that aren't specifically compatible um so it's a complete game in and of itself it just happens to take its inspiration and its sort of uh framing i guess mm -hmm. but once you start putting in like specific terms from the source material you know um for your game mechanics or for specific characters specific things like i wouldn't dare like putting a space marine in even if space marine is technically a term that predates games workshop mm-hmm because, again, like, all it takes is, you know, like, <laughs> I can't fight a uh, seasoned desist litter. Like, I even left out, originally, there were um, even conversion rules. And I was, ended up being too terrified to keep that in. Because uh, it just felt like, you know, it's like how, um, yeah, you know, like, third-party, like, D&D stuff will always, they always have, like, euphemism for it. It'll be, like, for use with the world's most popular fantasy role-playing game <laughs> using levels and D20s. Or something <laughs> like that. <right? laughs> <laughs> you know oh geez um and i just didn't want to and you end up like you know like can you reference like the game specifically well maybe but do you want to take the chance so it, it right so yeah like you want to put a distance to it uh, especially when it's something that's current and active mm -hmm. um, and the second thing is when it's something that is currently in development like whether or not it is legally uh possible for you to make a copy of it or a clone you know you change all the word and you rewrite the whole game in your own words and you publish it right mm -hmm. when it's something that is technically still around i feel like that's not kosher you know mm -hmm. like in that case go write your own game which you know i've done like <laughs> a thousand of right <laughs> um when it's something that's been out of print again like legally it's act it's no different actually like the old game is still on a copyright Sure, but um, and I'm not gonna get into like copyright, what should and shouldn't be. That's a whole mess of a situation, right? Uh, but I feel like there's a different morality behind it. If you're taking this old game that's just lingering in the void and you're bringing it back so people can play something that is like it, you know, and you can make an idealized version of it, it's gonna not have all the bugs and quirks and omissions the original game had because you're coming back to it 30 years later and you can fill in those gaps and you can change the things that were broken and stupid. Yeah, so and with that, though, you can... Sorry to cut in, but you can... Oh. Um, 
in doing that, you're able to put your own stamp on it a bit more too. And the more of your oh, own absolutely. fingerprints you get in there, then the more leverage you have to be like, eh, this is this is actually mine at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah, and, and also, also oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, and, and that also goes back to what I was saying about kind of what I consider the the pop culture Malou. Like they're mm -hmm. up there in a big way. It's like mm -hmm. I think you kind of bleed off a little bit. Like you showed me that game Lancer, mm -hmm. you know, which is based off BattleTech. And I mean, BattleTech mm -hmm. is one step behind Games Workshop and mm -hmm. uh, and like that whole setting and like yeah, yeah. the the larger gaming Malou. But anyway, mm -hmm. it's just my two cents. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but again, like Lancer. If you look at it, you can clearly see the influence of something like Battletech or, you know, but at the same time, it's also very clearly a different thing, right? Right. Like, it's clear that the designer of it has put effort and blood and sweat into it um, to make it something that's unique. And that's really, like, I think a successful adaptation mm -hmm. is when you can come into it knowing what to expect, but at the same time, you're having a unique experience. And I think totally. maybe that's that's the like main takeaway for this guy. And again, I don't want to, I haven't read the game. I haven't read any of the guy's previous games. So uh, this is more general. Yeah. But, but the thing that sucks is like, we, he only had, it seems like a little time. We have mm. no idea where he was really at. It was just the goblins, man. They, right, they got know, their like... outrage cycle going and they just splatted out. Mm-hmm. To attack. Yeah, so we don't, and you know, to an extent, like if you're writing a tabletop game with dice played on paper at a table, like you can't copy like video game mechanics, you know, like that's right. like, you know, like uh, I I sat down the other day and I'm still working on it to try and create a what would essentially be like a Doom tabletop game, like obviously not like Doom, but the same oh, sort of you. thing, you know, you move around in a maze and shoot demons, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, like you can't, like you, like video game mechanics don't carry over like that. I guess they do if it's an RPG a little, but even then, you know, like none of that. Just by nature of being a different like format, it's gonna be a different experience. Well, technically, um, a video game would be rolling like several hundred dice at the same time all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's some, uh, yeah, that's a brutal. Uh, dice game um <laughs> so yeah you know like it's by definition going to be transformed uh but yeah like you said like we did <laughs> we never got to see it right yeah. um and we didn't get to see you know like again i probably wouldn't have put like concept art that was so close to the source material right mm -hmm. i feel like that's where the biggest danger lies um because like trademarks and stuff for visual like art and stuff art assets can be you know, it's like um, if you just, like, trace over a piece and you swap out, like, a sword for an axe or something. Yeah, like that, well, that, if you've got Photoshop, that can become, like, if you can just use a certain type of filter mm -hmm. uh, over a photo, that becomes a whole nother huge problem. And that's totally theft. Yeah, and if you're, if that's what you're doing, then, yeah, that ends up feeling pretty skeezy, and that would make you very uh, vulnerable to like a legal legal attack um mm -hmm. and fa and fan communities tend to be pretty aggro about like art theft mm -hmm. you know like a lot of time that doesn't mean it doesn't happen constantly uh, as anyone who makes art for a living can attest to mm -hmm. but yeah um you know you have to 
it sucks, but like on one hand, you have to um, like you have to ensure that you don't put yourself in a position where um, where you're exposed to like illegal threat or legal risk. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're, you know, it's the old story. Like, do you want to play in someone else's playground? And by doing a game that's inspired by something to this level, you are entering their playground, right? Right. Um, or do you create something that's brand new and completely original, and then you risk that like nobody gives a shit? You know, like right. <laughs> like I see games published on like uh, Drive Through RPG like pretty much every week, and most of them are going to have like twenty purchases lifetime, and nobody will ever play them. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Like a lot of them look like they're creative, interesting games. A lot of them look like they have something cool about them. Mm-hmm. But you know, like Wizards of the Coast also released an adventure this month, and I gotta play that one. <laughs> I'm right. not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They got so, their own peoples. Yeah, you know, it's the same reason that people... Uh, there's a um, piece I read with uh, Kevin Crawford, who's the guy... I think I always forget the name of his company, but he does um, Stars Without Number and a bunch of other OSR stuff. Hmm. Um, he's like a one-man like game-writing machine. He's written so much stuff. Um, <laughs> and he had a really interesting piece, because people were asking why he kept writing OSR games instead of switching to 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, which is more popular than like life itself right now. Right. <laughs> um, and his answer was that <clears throat> essentially, like his stance is that he is writing as a business. First and foremost, he's writing to make money and make a living off games. That's his starting point, right? Mm. And to him, his view was that basically almost everybody has played some old Dungeons and Dragons game at some point. Which means that the amount of learning you have to do to go from I played the red box in 82 to picking up stars without number and sitting down to play is very short. You already know what a saving throw is. You already know how to roll to hit. It doesn't matter if you know the specific numbers. Like, none of that matters. You know the basics, which means you can be up and playing in, you know, a really short time. Mm -hmm. Um, And his point was basically, like, there's already a huge group of people who already understand this stuff conceptually and if he was going to tie himself to another ip uh he would rather tie himself to the one that's like the most spread out and common Mm -hmm. and there's no you know he was basically um questioning whether like are there more fifth edition dungeons dragons players than there are players of like every old version of dnd well probably not just because we're looking at like 35 years 40 years of a game right right um so in, from his perspective, it made sense to embody something that is technically an IP or like a, an identity, right? Mm-hmm. By linking yourself into that, you have a ready-built audience because anyone who has played any old version of D&D and is open to playing that again is a potential customer for Stars Without Number or another of his games, like Wolves of God, or he's got a couple. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's an instant, like, audience, right? Um, if you, or in case, you know, like, I've been doing this stuff long enough that if I put out a new game, there's a built-in audience through my identity or brand or whatever you want to call it who <laughs> are willing to look at that and say, like, if I put out a, like, naval game about, like, ship battles, there'll be a bunch of people who are like, I don't know if we're super into ship battles, but because it's that dude writing it, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> but if you're starting out, like, from the bottom, from scratch, you don't have any of that. Like, you can put out the same ship game. It might be a much better ship game, because I don't know anything about ships. <laughs> you, you So you put in the research, you do the work, you write a cool, fun, exciting game about ship battles, 
and you sell 20 copies because you're just a dude. You know, like nobody knows. And how are they going to get there? You right. know, yeah, you're going to get people who are A, interested in ship battle games. B, they happen to be looking at Wargame Vault that week when you release it. And C, they're inclined to pick it up just to see. Right. You know, so I totally understand why you want to tie yourself to... It's basically like, you know, hanging off the the side of the train, right? Like, <laughs> That's just you know. barreling along. Yeah, so you get to cash in on the existing fan base for something. Uh, yeah. But but that also means, like, you're... You gotta... One, you're kind of at the mercy of that fan base, especially if that mm-hmm. fan base has different expectations. Yeah. Or they're just crazy people. You know, like, well, the, the expectations 1%. are different in the... Uh, right. The expectations in video game communities is different than it is in tabletop communities. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you came in and... Uh, you took Lancer and said, okay, I really like the concept of this, um, but I'm going to change the mechanics so it's like a super rules-like game. Because Lancer is a pretty like involved tactical game. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to make it really rules-like. I'm going to make a very simple game engine, and I'm going to make it you know, whatever. Like, very few people in the tabletop RPG community would think twice about that. There would be a mm-hmm. bunch of people, many of them fans of Lancer, who are like, yeah, that's really cool. I want to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. probably the developers themselves would be into that. Like, very few RPG developers only play their own game. Like, you gotta be huffing your own farts then. <laughs> you know, like, everyone is interested in other games. Like, I play other games constantly. Um, yeah. You know, you have to. Otherwise, you're gonna be a fart, uh, yeah. fart huffer. Things things stagnate pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like uh, being in a metal band and you only listen to metal. Like, you're gonna, <laughs> your stuff is gonna be shit. Right. You know, you got to have other influence. You got to get different perspectives. So, in the tabletop community, that would be pr- unless you were being kind of a dick about it, or mm-hmm. it's a little too close. That's just going to be kind of expected, and people are going to be like, "Okay, either I'm not going to be interested, but it's fine. Like you do you, or right. I'm going to check it out because I'm into the other game and I want to see another take on it." Or like somebody converts like Lancer to like Savage Worlds or GURPS or something, and people are you okay, know, yeah. Like that's just part of how the tabletop community has always worked. There's always been people who are like, oh, here's a D&D monster. Like, I'm going to stat it up for RuneQuest, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's or really I'm going to... Yeah, exactly. And everyone, it helps everybody. Uh, you know? But that's not... That culture doesn't exist in the same way. I think, like, modding communities and video games are a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like... That only exists in, like, specific games, you know? Like... There's not like most online games don't have a modding community for obvious reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that <clears> brings <throat> up a point that we brought up pre podcast too is that unfortunately the people that tend to be the least artistically engaged or, or like creatively uh, active, like they <clears throat> tend to get really riled up about stuff more than everyone else. I think a lot of times, yeah, um, there's a tendency for the people who, I, I don't know what it is, my, my theory, and this is going to sound a little dickish, is people who are like, who only consume the, the mm. thing, they don't create fan art, or they don't create fan fiction, I hate fan fiction, but I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, like, if you're creating like, that, you do so, you, yeah, you're creating your thing, you're involved in a way that contributes back into it or you if it's a game you teach people how to play the game you wrote a guide for it you do a youtube video explaining it whatever like those people all 
contributing back. So to them, it's self-evident that they have value in the community. Mm -hmm. Like I wrote a guide to this specific character class and there's a thousand people who read my guide. Like that's, you know, I contributed something. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot of people, uh, I think there's this subconscious awareness that they aren't doing that. Uh, so they tend to be like extra aggro about it. And it's like the majority of people aren't going to be contributing in that sense. They're just, you know, playing the game and rolling along and doing the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but if your identity is really tied up in the game and you're not actually like you don't have anything you can point to as a contributor, then the only option that's left for you is to be the... Uh, the biggest fucking fan the internet has ever seen and go fight people on the internet. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you get, you know, you become the dude who like goes into like, uh, another games like Reddit sub and fights with them about why their game is so shit, <laughs> you know, or, or you like it's derivative of your Uber game. Yeah. Or like, um, this week, uh, I guess because Apple, uh, is moving away from Intel. So Intel is doing a bunch of like pro PC ads on the internet. And this is, mm. Like, that kind of stuff, like PC versus Mac, that's been going on, you know, for, like, 40 years, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was clicking on just to kind of see, because uh, uh, they had hired the same guy. They used to be these, uh, I'm a PC, and it was, like, a boring business dude. Then they had this, like, cool, hip-looking dude who was like, I'm a Mac. And they had hired the same guy, but now he's on the uh, PC team. So they're like, oh, that's... <laughs> That's kind of funny. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's an actor. He's just getting paid, right? Right, right. That's funny. But I thought it was kind of funny. So I wanted to see what it was like. And then, like, I saw the comments. And there were people who were, like, legitimately, like, like standing up to defend a processor company on the internet. <laughs> I was like, good lord. I can't imagine anything that is less, you know, like, Intel doesn't care about you. Yeah. And for what you do on your computer, it doesn't matter what chip is in there. Like, as long as the software, like, supports what you want to do on it. Right. So it was just, like, how little investment, <laughs> you know, like, how little does this actually matter to your life? That you're going to, like, go fight for Intel on the Internet, you know? Like, I could understand if it's, like, you know, Microsoft versus Apple. Because that's, like, end-user experiences. And they influence what you can do it's a stupid but i understand it at least you know like <laughs> playstation versus xbox like that's stupid too but at least it's like on a level you engage with like if you're really into halo then obviously you have to be an xbox fan right 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 because otherwise you can't play the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> you know like if you're really into bloodborne you have to be a playstation fan that's fair um yeah you could, but you know like when it's to the level of like your computer processor like that's what that's the how little it has to be for you to like get fired up and like go fight people on the internet. Like <laughs> um, there is a, um, an article I read a long time ago. Uh, it was a long list of things of now that you're an adult, when you turn like 20, 21, 22, here's mm -hmm. some expectations for you. And it was a lot of useful stuff. It was a little like kind of old boomer overbearing, but it was a lot of stuff like own like one pair of nice clothes, like, be able to walk through somebody's house without knocking things down <laughs> you know and one of them was like it's time for you to find an interest or hobby or thing that is for adults and at the time um the person who wrote the article uh that part didn't sit well with a lot of people because <laughs> now, now you're coming from my star wars blanket and i'm not liking it right <laughs> but, but you know it's right though like have well, something it, that's that ties... not like <laughs> oh go ahead sorry that ties back into what you said a few minutes ago with like 
being a creative person, not huffing your own farts. It's crazy. I feel like with the internet and people able to like latch onto a faction that's really into their own thing, Mm -hmm. then like it becomes like this self-reinforcing situation where that's, that's just their thing, man. Mm -hmm. And they're huffing, they're sniffing their own farts. You know, right. they're they're on their Star Wars high, and they're gonna go with, go to war with the world over Luke Skywalker because <laughs> right. the, the community is there, and that's what they do. Oh yeah, because because everyone is telling you the farts are really good, and we should right. do it do it more together. And then it gets like linked into like some uh, you know other political thing, you know. Good grief. Um, so yeah, it just becomes, and now it's like that's almost like the worst when it becomes like, oh well, I'm a liberal and I'm a Star Wars fan, so therefore, like now those two are fused together. Yeah. So when yeah. so when somebody's saying like, oh, like uh, this, like whatever, the second of the new Star Wars movies is shit, and that's the one I'm supposed to like and defend, like oh shit, now you're saying like now it's fucking on, right? Right, right. It's <laughs> like like so you said, it's like existential thing. Get it? It's not if you get in it. Doing adult things gives life perspective, like yeah, doing like, more complex, challenging stuff. Right? Like read a boring book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they made books before they invented lightsabers. It's okay to read one of those. Right. <laughs> put, put, put the steampunk stuff in the trash. <laughs> you know, like what? Um, and yeah, like I don't want to like moralize, but yeah like a lot of i think a lot of like uh turbo nerds online kind of like need to hear that a little bit like take a breather like go out in the world and like find a boring hobby like find something you can talk to the dudes at the office with unless it's football in that case like just stay away from those people but you know like just <laughs> well that's be- another variant variation <laughs> on being a crazy star wars person yeah like I no mean, one cares about four t- four touchdowns and in, in oh one game <laughs> Yeah, I I used to die in the office because everyone was into football and they would talk about their fantasy football. It wasn't just normal football. I could have done that. <laughs> like, I think football is the worst sport invented by humans to punish them for our <laughs> sins. But if it was, if they were talking about the actual like game that was on TV, but it was like fantasy football, so it was like, <laughs> like now you're in nerd territory, and I now you're uh, coming after my identity. I don't like it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think to kind of like try to wrap up this meandering firestorm, um, <laughs> like j- just be a normal person once in a while, you know, like yeah. take a breather, like invest yourself in something that exists in the world that matters. And more importantly, also, um, since we've alluded to a little bit, also have some interests that aren't just like arguing about politics on the internet. Mm, yeah. Like, I- I'm not saying that the causes you believe in that are important to you are not important and world affecting and all these things. That's fine. But you can't do that all the time, you know? Right. Just like you can't, you can't like submerge yourself in Star Wars all the time. Like, you're just gonna go crazy. You're gonna be one of those people, you know, like I used to uh, hang out with somebody who like could bring uh, pitbull dogs into every conversation because I was like their cause in life was how oppressed pitbull dogs were like no matter what the conversation is you're just waiting in line at the <laughs> grocery store and it, it would just come up and it was like and it's, it sounds like a sitcom character right but right 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 like we've all been at like you know like it's an old joke of, like you're at family thanksgiving and you're sitting around and suddenly you you know, your uncle has to drop a bomb about like the border or something and like because he just can't let it go right 
Yeah. So, like, don't be that dude. Especially don't be <laughs> that dude about, like, robots and lasers. <laughs> you know. I get, I, you know, like, I love me some nerd shit, too. Um, I, like, I literally, like, my livelihood depends on yeah. loving nerd shit. So, you know, but, like, go watch something else on TV. Like, go watch some, like, character drama or something. Like, I've been watching um, fucking um, Dickinson on... Apple TV, which is very much a show that's not aimed at me. It's like it's about Emily Dickinson, the poet. Yeah, and yeah. and it's done in every way that I normally would despise because it's very much like what if all the main characters were basically like talking and acting like modern people in this historical setting. Hmm. Um, and I said watched it. Yeah, um, there's like a term for like it's basically like cosplay history. Um, and then I watched it because, like, I'm just going to watch it. I'm going to sit myself down and I'm going to watch something that I never would click on. And then after a couple episodes, like, you know what? I get it. Like, I kind of like it. It's it's funny. You know, it's still, like, definitely aimed at a generation that's, like, t- at least 10 years younger than me. Right. So it doesn't completely land. But, like, I was glad I sat down and watched it, you know. Sure. Like, New experience. I'm all yeah, about that. Yeah, just, right. Or just, like, have a, you know, Yeah. So my my last thing or like a suggestion for breaking out of the normal hobby bubble was like getting deciding one day just to start reading a bunch of like classic books that were banned mm-hmm. back back going back for I don't know from like the 19th century on through oh, the 20th so you get a wide range of uh, yeah, re- yeah yeah reasons why stuff was banned yeah yeah it's really in- is it's pretty. There is some pretty wild stuff. Stuff mm. that actually disgusted me. Books like, uh, <laughs> like it, it being banned was maybe not such a bad thing. I could see why. I could yeah, see yeah. why like, it was banned. You know, without endorsing like censorship or anything. But you know, like the mentality of people at the time made sense all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, great. Like I, yeah, I'm pretty free speech fundamentalist sort of guy myself. Mm. So I'll be like. That's gross, and I'm gonna put it down or shut it off. But I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, go it shouldn't after have people. been banned. But it's interesting to like, you know, to see the what, <laughs> you know, what clashed with uh, social mores at the time. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a bookstore uh, a long time ago, many years ago. I was at, and they had uh, they had little sections of banned books, and um, of course, like they had 1984 on there. <laughs> and there was a little uh, thing, and I don't know if this was true or not, but the little sign said this book was banned in some countries for being uh, pro-communism, and it was banned in the Soviet Union for being anti-communism, <laughs> <laughs> which is, <laughs> like, that's uh, radical centrism, right? <laughs> <We're>, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and I don't know if the story is true or not, but it was interesting to me. It always st- stuck with me. Um, that's funny. But, yeah, um, you know, go read some or read some classics, you know. Like, we always have those... Uh, classic literature that we had to read in school and we all hated because we don't really appreciate or understand it. And yeah. sometimes going back and reading some of that stuff and you'll kind of realize now that you've grown a little bit, like, Oh, that was actually like, that was a bunch of stuff in here. That was, it was actually kind of cool. You know, like I hated mm-hmm. reading like uh, Poe when I was younger and I could appreciate a lot more now. I thought, you know, before I thought it was boring because nothing happens. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then then it turned out that nothing happening in the stories was why they were cool. You know, it was all about atmosphere and tension, which I didn't appreciate as like an eighteen year old. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, so 
yeah, like, go look up stuff like that. Watch a movie you normally wouldn't. Like, pick up a hobby, read up on something. Like, you can, even if you're stuck at home, you can do literally nothing. Like, go on Wikipedia and learn something. Like, like, do you know how, like, your silverware is made? Like, go watch one of those. I used to love watching those, um, like, how things are made. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's cool. It, this is endlessly fascinating. Like, you know, you're never going to need to know, like, how, like, uh, cups are made. <laughs> but you could sit and watch, like, a, the whole process on a production line. It's really fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I've done that before. I, so, I think a lot of Oh, yeah, e everyone has had, like, especially if you could watch it late at night and you're kind of drunk and, like, uh, <laughs> <you're> just going <laughs> to sit here and watch, like, uh, teddy bear eyes being manufactured. <laughs> <laughs> Zone out. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a, there's a meditative quality. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of like, you know, if you're in a community and you are, um, you know, it can be difficult. No, no, no one person can like change the the path of a community uh unless you're in a very specific position i suppose mm -hmm. but we can all nudge things along and we can all set like what's reasonable and what's you know like what's our expectations of ourselves and others you know like <laughs> in the community are you a person you would choose to interact with sure sure and when the call for the pitchforks uh goes out maybe take a moment and think about yeah. it before you just like dive right in with everybody. And I right. think what we've both been probably guilty of that to an extent, like oh, everyone is. It's, it's easy to get caught up and stuff. Like I used to spend mm -hmm. a bunch of time, like uh, uh, prowling the internet and getting into arguments uh, about Gamergate. And that was very like against the whole thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But in hindsight, like I also don't know if like fighting with people in the YouTube comments ever like accomplished anything. You know, right. like, it was just a waste of fucking time. <laughs> um, you know, like I used to argue with like Holocaust deniers in the YouTube comments, and that had like more of a purpose because like debunking dangerous stuff like that is, you know, like that has a function. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was a good use of the time as opposed to donating some money and to like an actual organization, but you know, like it's easy to just get caught up on these things and they just like take you over. And then, you know, like I always end up feeling like shit when I've been like super involved and something like that. Well, you know? there's no resolution, which just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Or you're like debating some dude and he like drops a bunch of memes on you and like rolls on and like, <laughs> like nothing came out of it. Nothing was yeah. ever going to come out of it. Right. So like all you've done is like make the world slightly more stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Wasted electricity. Yeah. You know, like, so Yeah. Like take us take a step back, um, reassess things. Like remember why you got into these things to begin with. Like presumably it was to find some sort of joy or escapism or something else. Uh, yes, that's a great note to end on. I think. Remember, this is supposed to be fun. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be fun. <laughs> you know, like these crusades, right? You know, like and again, it, like we said, uh, it doesn't mean you can't feel strongly about all these things, but let's be proportional about them. You know, yep. let's pursue them in the way like fighting out, you know, there's senators you can write to if you want to express your righteous outrage and those assholes are getting paid by us. So <laughs> <laughs> it is literally their job to listen to you moan. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll get us a little bit further than like slugging it out in, on Reddit or something or like bur burning down someone's like Kickstarter. Cause uh, his robot looked too much like another robot. Ah, <sighs> oh, gosh. Anyway, you know, so I think that's our righteous fury for the night. <laughs> yeah, we don't plan on doing this that often at all, but it's just kind of like 
to me, that's like you said, burning down a single guy's little project. Like, yeah, like who, you know, um, <laughs> why? Right. You know, like because somebody was. Yeah. Fuck that. So, yeah, uh, this is out of character. Um, not it's not out of character for us as people, but it's out of character for what we have chosen to do with the podcast. And it mm-hmm. will remain out of character unless I think there's nothing else that's like a teachable moment. Uh, but I, I think we both thought this was important enough to kind of like address stuff that's bugged us for a while. Um, so when we're back next week, we will uh, turbo nerd about like hit points or something else that is, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll retreat back into the bubble and uh, you can all come hang out and we'll, uh, we'll talk. Yeah. Talk about dragons and why these yeah. are fun and why <laughs> you should be able to use tanks yeah. or super robots to kill them or. I know exactly. So as long as they're actual tanks and not steampunk tanks, we, <laughs> we we don't go there. With all the moralizing we just did, we still gotta have some standards. That's right. Boundaries, folks. 